standards slip, families flee, and in comes the CD crowd. You got trouble, my friends. Right here in River City. Casting old Mid Gilmore Girls movie night. Oh, won't you please listen, my dears? We are so very excited to have you here. Have you here? If you listen, I don't know what I'm doing. I did not write this down. I'm making it up as I go along. Welcome to the old Mid Gilmore Girls movie night. I am Philip. I am Courtney. It's an interesting song to choose. It's my favorite song from the movie really? or from the show. Oh, yeah. Remember when I said, oh, Muffin, you gotta be quiet. This is my favorite scene. I mean, Muffin was really loud. I feel like we were telling her to be quiet a lot. She was. But I love that song. Okay, so how you doing? Good-ish. So what's happening in Vanderpump land? We just finished the reunion. We did. Three-part reunion. The big reveal that we've been hearing about for weeks was pretty anticlimactic. What was it about? So, essentially, it was just timeline stuff. Sandoval was holding fast to, we only had sex one time before, like, filming ended or whatever. And then she went on and was like, mm, that's not true. We were having sex during Sheena's wedding, which was filmed, and multiple times during Sheena's wedding. And then when Ariana was out of town, they had sex in their house. It was bad, but it wasn't anything that anyone, like, was surprised by. Like, we had all kind of guessed. I don't know who Sandoval thought he was joking by saying they only had sex one time. Because I feel like anyone who watched the show knew that that wasn't true. Mm -hmm. So it was fine. But it was also weird because the producer came... Or was it the producer? The showrunner. The showrunner came out and said, we don't want them to sign contracts for next season until this reveal comes out because it might change their minds about wanting to sign. And it wasn't I, really that big of a reveal, though. No. It that wasn't enough Yeah. I think that's why people were so excited about it because it was like th there are very few things that would make them not want to sign contracts for next year so people were like speculating all kinds of things and no one was thinking this because we already knew it was good though the the, the reunions were good i'm you know what though i've, I've got to say i actually left a whole bunch of bravo groups today because i'm so tired of all of these people that think that now that has some time has passed Ariana should be fine and not being mean to Tom and Raquel and basically saying, we're done with Ariana. She's terrible. She's just as bad as that. Like, I'm tired of it. It is not a new thought of yours. It is not this big, exciting revelation of yours to turn on Ariana after everyone rallied behind her before. And it's dumb. And it's internalized misogyny. And I'm tired of it. Okay. It is victim shaming. It is stupid. And yeah, she's getting paid a lot of money because her boyfriend cheated on her. But like, should she turn the offers down? No. If Duracell wants to film a commercial with her because Tom talked about how their relationship was bad because he always had to buy the batteries, let her do the Duracell commercial. Nobody would turn down money. Like if no. no. If I was one of us, we would be like, no, you know what? I won't get all that much money for being on that magazine cover. Well, like, the majority of these kids started out the show, I mean, they were working in a restaurant in Hollywood. They wanted to be famous. I mean, unfortunately, none of them were really good enough to be 
famous actors and actresses. So, like, she has to know that she only has so much staying power as a reality star. Make your money while you can. Apparently, she said that she was just in a Glamour article and said something like, I don't come from generational wealth. I just I just want to make money for security and for my family. Why not use this horrible tragedy that happened? Makes sense. To make myself some money. So go for it. And I'm watching Secrets Revealed next week. And you usually don't watch it. I don't know. I usually skip it. Because yeah. it's usually boring. But I don't know. It's, it looks like maybe it'll be some good stuff. Mm-hmm. So what are you reading? I'm currently reading a book called A Special Place for Women. It's about this, like, underground society in New York City that's, like, all the influential, wealthy women. But, like, it doesn't exist, but it does exist kind of thing. And they apparently, like, pull all the strings politically and get people, get women elected to office. But they could also, like, turn on them. And this journalist, who's the uh, main character, is trying to infiltrate so that she can write an article about them. It's okay. As we talk about while we're reading it makes me think of a podcast i listen to it's called the rex chapman show or the rex chapman podcast and he was a basketball player in the 90s and now he is well known just for his twitter what he puts on twitter and and he's also gets in the political realm on twitter but he has a podcast where he and his buddy talk about sports about whatever and they always have book club and no no all because the the joke is, okay, it's a book club. What have you been reading? Nothing. What have you been reading? I haven't read anything. Okay, well, that's book club. And that's what they do every week. And the first time, it was funny. It was like, huh, that's funny. But after like 30, after like 30 episodes, it's like, guys, read, read a book. It's, it's a dumb joke. It's not funny anymore. Open a book. I will say the last... <laughs> Apparently, when you decide that you're interested in romance, um, you have to be very careful about the books you pick up. So the last few books I've read have been, like, straight porn. <laughs> like, I I thought it was, like, cute little romantic comedies, but, like, no. <laughs> it's, like, really intense porn. And any of those type of books always makes me think of Friends. I know. With Rachel. This last one was real bad. <laughs> like, some of them are still cute romantic comedies that just happen to have, like, really steamy scenes. This, this last one. It's like the woman was in danger and the man went to save her and like, I won't let anyone hurt a hair on your head. Like it was really intense and dramatic and it made me think of friends a lot. Anyway, I did read the whole thing of that one, but it was, it was porn. I am reading a book on the 1986 Mets, New York Mets. Um, are you interested in that? No. Okay. It's by Jeff Perlman. Who's one of my favorite sports authors? I love the majority of his, the books he's written, even if I don't really care about the subject. This is called The Bad Guys One A Season of Brawling, Boozing, Bimbo Chasing, and Championship Baseball with Straw Dog Mookie Nails the Kid and the rest of the 1986 Mets, the rowdiest team ever to put on a New York uniform and maybe the best. That's the full name. Yeah, I know. interesting. It's really good. Really good. Muffins going to doggy daycare. Yeah. She passed her meet and greet. I was really nervous. But she did. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, hopefully she'll get some energy out during the day and be a little bit nice with us. Yeah. Right. Are you ready to talk about the music man? Okay. Where is this in Gilmore Girls lore? The reference you heard at the beginning was season one, episode 14, between Taylor and the one Life. 
And then there was another reference in Season 7, Episode 7, when Lucy, Rory's friend, says, The time where Rory grew up is like your perfect small town. And Olivia says, You expect Professor Professor Harold Hill to move there and sucker everyone into buying band instruments. Sounds good. So let's go ahead and get started. It starts in 1912, um, which when I, I remember when I first watched this movie, I know they talk about Oct 5 and talking about it being... Hey, why did they say Oct 5? Instead of like, or 1905. Oct 5 sounds better. The early aughts. It sounds better. I never understood why we said the early aughts. As a young kid, like, to me, I knew this movie was made, like, in the 60s, but I didn't know the difference between the 60s and the early 1900s, because I was born in 1983. So, to me, it, I always lost it that it was in the early century. It, was did, like, it did kind of throw me when they said Ought 5. I was like, oh, this takes place a lot earlier than it was filmed. It so, did throw me for a second. Yeah. But they do the whole... But I'll feel, in, my, in my head, like, a small town in 1963, 1950s like <laughs> it's just like this i have no idea i mean and the movie was in the 60s but yeah. the show came out in the 50s yeah so in 1912 hold on i gotta know how do you spell ought a-u-g-h-t isn't it is it i think so what's it short for uh, is what it short it mean? is it i don't know i don't know because if, if you're gonna say it all the way through you'd say 1905 yeah. you'll say 1905 i don't so know so where's the ought come in i'm this is bothering me I have no idea. I know. All right, so in 1912, Professor Harold Hill arrives in River City, Iowa, anxious to swindle the famously stubborn citizens. A few traveling salesmen in the area have heard about Hill, who is infamous for a ploy in which he gets down townspeople to pay to create boys' marching bands. And they sing their songs. It's only boys. It's, it's 1912. That's dumb. Girls can play instruments. This. You're doing that annoying, condescending thing that you do. <laughs> No, your critique of the movie can't be because this is the way it was in 1912. It's dumb. It is dumb, but that's... It's 1912. It's dumb. <laughs> Could girls not play instruments in 1912? No, they couldn't until 1950. There were no female no. musicians. That's when That's when girls started learning how to play um, instruments. I, I mean, I don't know. It's just a part of the story. It's dumb. It, okay. Anyways, they sing their song, or the, the which is more of a, which is a cappella and kind of syncopated, which is, um, it's the what do you talk? What do you talk? What do you talk? What do you get him? He's a music man. Oh, what a music man! I'm really not. Gonna, this is one of my favorite movies, and I am already. I am really furious right now, and to stop this podcast because I love this. All I'm like they know that makes me so sad. You say how dumb things are, and you dislike so many things I like. Probably some things probably, that I like dumb. All no, everything you like is amazing. Oh, probably eight times while we were watching this movie. I thought this makes me so happy. I love this movie so much. Why'd you like yeah. it? My sense. disliking it doesn't change that. I know. You tell me my stuff that I like is dumb all the time. All the time. But, but, not on the podcast. Not on the podcast. I've never said anything you like is dumb on the podcast. <laughs> I'm sure you have. Roll the tape, Andy. I'm, I'm sure you have. Uh, uh, anyways, Hill discovers the River City is the home of his former associate Marcellus Washburn when he sees Marcellus in the after they sing they sing the 
Iowa stubborn song about how stubborn people are in Iowa. And then he's walking along. You have paid attention. You don't even pay attention. Son you want to be mad at me right now. That specific song. Gosh. Oh man, this is the last podcast we're ever gonna do. Shit, over two days, but we have a day in between because of the reunion. I don't. That song was when we watched on Tuesday, and I don't remember it. So, anyways, to back. People of Iowa and how stubborn they are. So then he, then he finds Marcellus, who played by Buddy Hackett, which brings us to the 10th most popular segment in podcast history. Five degrees, five degrees or less of Gene Kelly. Buddy Hackett is in a movie called Walking My Baby Back Home with Donald O'Connor, who's in Singing in the Rain with Gene Kelly. So it's two degrees. Which Buddy one was Hackett. Buddy Hackett? Buddy Hackett's his friend Marcellus. The short guy? Yeah. That's well, Buddy Hackett. Who also is the seagull in um, Little Mermaid. I don't know why I pictured a different person. A short guy? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Who am I thinking of? Who was the guy that Holly Olightly was married to in um, Barks at Tiffany's? What's that no name? Hold on, I'll look it up. Definitely not Buddy Hackett. It was not Buddy Hackett, but I, I don't know why I'm mixing them up. I'm wondering if their names are similar. No, oh, Buddy Ebsen. Well, Buddy Ebsen. Okay, so they're both named Buddy. That's why I was confusing them. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm back. Buddy Hackett. It's a short guy. I'm good. He's also in an episode of Boy Meets World. Yes, I know. In yeah. the in the mafia or yeah. the mob. Him and um. Oh yeah, Super Sales. Super Sales. Yeah. So he meets. Um, he meets. Marcellus. Who he already knew. Who he already knew and who called him Gregory. So we do know that Harold Hill's real name is probably Gregory. But we never learned. <laughs> it's one of his aliases. Yeah, it's one of his aliases. I assume if he's a really good friend of his, he knows his actual name. Was Marcellus a... Was he a traveling salesman with... I think what what it seemed like, I, th- I believe that he helped Hill in a lot of his escapades. It seemed like they were kind of in on it together. Yeah, okay. When I first saw him... Not that he was a traveling salesman by himself, but he kind of helped. When I first saw him, I thought they must know each other from the army. Because apparently in my head, every time two men have known each other for a long time in an old movie, they know each other from the military. And then they start talking about his schemes. And I was like, oh, he must have been like a salesman. with So in 1912... Civil War? <laughs> yeah, I don't... That's the 60s. Though. They weren't old enough for that. There's probably a war in between that I just don't know. We're like... This is off topic. My... Oh, we never go off topic. Yeah. My job is doing a study with uh, PTSD subjects. And my boss is really concerned because he thinks we're going to have a hard time finding somebody. It's supposed to be like people who had been in combat. And like we haven't had any active combat in a really long time. And I, ne- I didn't even think about that. That's interesting. Because I feel like we were for so long. Yeah. Like, it's going to be really hard for us to find people who are recently out of combat and not being medicated if they have PTSD. Like, usually right out of combat, they might not be medicated. But if they've been out for, like, 20, 30 years, they're probably medicated by now. So, yeah, anyway, all that to say, we are not going to be able to find subjects for that study. That's going to be really frustrating. Hill discovers that River City is the home of his former associate, Marcellus, he said. Um, and then he... Kyra, he tries to seduce the whole town, saying that they need a 
marching band because of this pool table. And you got trouble. You got trouble, my friends. And there's that's some reference. Yeah, all that. Yeah. And in, and in and in Schmigadoon, the parody, um, Kristen Chenoweth's character sang the parody song. What was the parody song? I, I can't remember. How I was like picturing it, but I can't. It says you got um, tribulation or something, something like, like that. that. Something very similar. But I because I've seen. So, if you caught the like Schmigadoon reference. Oh yeah, I've seen Music Man, but it's been a very long time, and I knew that there were references in Schmigadoon, but I don't think I realized how like. Schmigadoon is very, very similar to Music Band, the way that Chicago is very, very similar to Cabaret, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But also, but then like, it was weird. That was a weird season. There was, there were people, people, well, because it did 16, it did a bunch of shows. So it had all of yeah. the together. That's what it's Schmigadoon. It's not both of them. But I feel like. Schmigadoon also had Ariana, Ariana DeBosa's character. Her, she, was she had, and she had her. Brother, who actually was a son. Um, waiting for that to happen in music. <laughs> that didn't happen in music. <laughs> and I kept waiting for it to like come out that that was actually her son. No. It was not, though. It was her brother. <laughs> yeah. And kind of the way that she tap danced, Ariana DeBose's character tap danced and danced uh, on the, um, on, in the classroom. In the classroom is kind of how Mary. Mary, Mary um, yeah, da- danced at the end of that song. Yeah, that was pretty similar. Yeah. So, um, anyways, he's saying that because of this pool table that's coming in, they need a band, which is probably that is one of the two most famous songs from the show. Um, that and 76 Trombones, I would say, are the two most well-known songs from the show, along with Till There Was You is also well-known. Uh, the song I knew m- best growing up was Gary Indiana because my mom grew up in Indiana and she really liked that song. So every time I hear it, I can hear my mom's song. That is a weird song that is in my head at least once every couple I, weeks. I think probably. Well, because my dad's I, name is Gary. Oh, and so sense. like my dad's name would come up and my mom liked that song and those two things would collide an awful lot in my childhood. Like before I saw Music Man, I knew the song Gary Indiana. That's when he meets Marianne Peru, who played by Shirley Jones. And her mom has an awfully thick Irish accent, and Marion does not. Yeah, I always forget about that. And then, but, and then they talk about them being Irish. Yep. In the in the movie or in the show, which like I mean, like her mom could have been an immigrant, and Marion could have grown up in the U.S. and like never really interacted much with Irish people and not had an accent. But it did seem strange that like she had zero accent, and her mom had such a thick accent. Yeah. That's probably why her brother had such a hard time talking. So Marilyn is suspicious of Hill's motives, and also suspicious is the town's Mayor Shin, who's the owner of the billiard parlor, who orders the school board to obtain Hill's credentials. When they attempt to do so throughout the whole sh- whole movie, Hill distracts them by teaching them to sing as a barbershop quartet. Thereafter, Hill easily tricks them into breaking into four-part harmony whenever they ask for his credentials, which is also one of my favorite parts of this movie. I love it so much. And... This movie it takes, especially there were instances where it looked like a theatrical production because of they would do a spotlight. Yeah. And they would have the light go out on this scene while the light comes on on, yeah. comes on, on another part of the scene. It, so it's it, very theatrical that well, way. But it also struck me being, I could see it on stage. Like when they had the barbershop quartet singing in their spotlight and then Mary singing in her spotlight. I thought, oh, I can see that on two opposite sides of the stage. Hills. 
Wooing a Marion who mistrusts him has little effect, though he succeeds in winning the admiration of her mother and befriends her unhappy younger brother, Winthrop. When Marion discovers that Hill's claim to being a graduate of Gary Conservatory gold medal class of Oct 5 is a lie, she wants to expose him, and that's when she keeps trying to talk to the mayor about that. And right before that, um, she um, is when they're seeing Marion the librarian and the whole dead's number, which is one of my favorite scenes, as we discussed. It's so she, it's so much fun. So she, <laughs> it's fine. I know. Oh, okay. oh, it's so much fun. And so she wants to expose expose him. She goes up to Mayor Shin, and then all of a sudden the Wells Fargo wagon comes down the road. That is also a well known song. Not as well known as the others, but I feel like that's a song. One time, um, somebody mentioned well, I was with my college friends um, back in the. 2009, 2010, around there. And we were in um, downtown Oklahoma City. And someone mentioned the Wells, like Wells Fargo Bank or somehow Wells Fargo. So I started singing, the Wells Fargo wagon is coming down the street. But these were my college friends who don't really know musicals and probably don't care. They looked at me like I was insane. Like, (laughs) what is he doing? And that's when I realized, (laughs) I said, Oh, I'm with the wrong group of friends for this song. Yeah. Because I was not with my theater friends who would have definitely joined them. I feel like your non-theater friends probably look at you a lot like you're crazy. So I feel like you guys, while you have a lot in common, I also feel like you guys are very different. So when Winthrop, after years of moody withdrawal, joins in the townspeople singing and speaking effusively about his new cornet, Marion sees Hill's work as beneficial. So the question is, does Marion actually ever think... That he is going, he is a band teacher and will teach the instruments? Or do you think at this point he, she just doesn't care? She just sees what he, the effect he has on Winthrop. So she doesn't care um, whether or not he's actually going to do that. What do you think her mindset was at this point? I think her mindset was that there's not, it's not going to cause any harm. I, mean, I think at one point she was like, yeah, he definitely is. I mean, because right now she, she knows for the truth that he is not. He did not graduate in yeah. the conservatory. So at this point, she's like, just because of the effect he's had on Winthrop, yeah, he's 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 good for the town. I think she cares more about her brother than the town. And I think she sees good things coming for her brother, and she's like, it's fine. Yeah. Hill tells the boys to learn to play via the think system. La-dee-da-dee-da-dee-da-dee-da. La-dee-da. What? I said, oh my goodness. La-dee-da. La, sing with me. La di da di da di da Everyone in the whole town knew this song, even small children. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's super easy. Okay, I mean, but like. Have you ever seen a musical? Yes. They opened up singing about how awful, how stubborn Indiana is, and everybody knew that song. 76 trombones that they all sang together, which we skipped that song apparently when we, when we did the synopsis. I mean, that's fine. 76 trombones. That was earlier in the movie. We just skipped right over it. Yeah. Even though it took me about... How long did it take me? It took me until about three years ago that I realized 76 trombones was the same tune as Good Night by Someone. Good night by someone. Good night. And I had no idea until about... You say it like it's common knowledge. I don't think that many people know. But they do it at the same time. They, like, sing those songs at the same time. Just 
I think to kind of show that one's more they're the same tune. In fact, I posted on Facebook one time, and one of my Facebook friends said that's why they do it at the same time because you can tell that they're the same song, just different um, like signatures. I had no idea, but yeah, they're the exact same tune, just different ways of sharing them. Weird. Yeah. So Hills Con is nearly complete. All you have to do is collect the rest of the money and disappear. Meeting Mary at the traditional footbridge, which right before this is when the Shapoopy song happens, which is <laughs> Buddy Hackett's big chance. And the chance for Robert Preston, who plays Harold Hill to dance. I can't. Shapoopy. I can't. Shapoopy. I can't. I can't do it. I love that song. I, I know. And Shapoopy, I also like the song Shapoopy because they parodied it on an episode of the uh, Family Guy. Oh, do they? Yes. That's funny. So, um, so anyways, they go to the footbridge. He learns that she knew of his deception but did not tell him because she is in love with him. He's about to leave town when Charlie Cowell, a disgruntled anvil salesman who is run out of Brighton, Illinois because Hill had conned the townspeople there, comes to River City and exposes Hill. Sought by an angry mob and pressured to leave town by Marcellus and Marion, Hill realizes he is in love with Marion and decide, and does not want to leave her. So he is captured by the mob and has to go to like basically the courthouse. <laughs> Wherever, wherever they in this little town. Sometimes the like community hall. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah. Yeah, and where where he is put to trial, and then Mayor Shen says, "Where's the band? Where's the band?" <laughs> and they all come out and play. And I love this scene because they're playing awful, just poorly. They really are, but the but, your family's <laughs> so excited. Yeah, they're so excited. Oh, yeah. Sometimes your kids do stuff even if they suck at it. <laughs> That's true. And then after that, the boys march out of the town hall, and all of a sudden, they're yeah, transformed trippy. into, in the townspeople's imagination, into a spectacular marching band, played and marching with perfection, led by Hill, and all their uniforms change. And then there's like 500 of them. Yeah, that was intense. So that is the Music Man. Uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'm going to do some background. Okay. Despite Robert Preston's Tony Award winning performance in the Broadway production, Warner Brothers wanted a bankable star in the lead role as Harold Hill. So according to Shirley Jones, Frank Sinatra was offered the part. Frank Sinatra was offered the part of Harold Hill? Apparently. I can't. According to Shirley Jones. Um, Frank Sinatra also was supposed to be do Carousel. He got the part of Carousel. Carousel's awful. Um, he got the part of Carousel, um, of the lead of Car Billy um, Bigelow. Billy, Billy, I don't remember his name. No idea. Okay. Anyways, uh, uh, which was opposite Shirley Jones. Um, Shirley Jones is the female lead at Carousel. But he realized that they, because of the way they were filming, they were going to film every scene twice, like using different lenses or different whatever. And he yelled that he was being paid to make one movie, not two. So he walked out. I mean... <laughs> you see his point? Is that what you're trying to say? A little bit, yeah. Was it like... So he, he was having to redo the scenes over again? Yeah, so he had to film... So the, he was filming two movies. Yeah. I mean, I'm, that's fair. And I think he wanted more money or something, and they said no or whatever. Well, then... Anyway, Spring was originally in that role. He was offered the part, according to Shirley Jones, as Harold Hill. But Meredith Wilson insisted on Preston and threatened to pull the movie rights. Cary Grant apparently was also approached. 
but told the Warner Brothers executives, not only will I not star in it, if Robert Preston doesn't star in it, I will not see it. Preston finally got the part, and then the movie was a big success. According to... The, now there's a, a few more people that were um, up for the role of Harold Hill. According to Behind the Scenes with the movie and the Sylvester Edition DVD, a number of stars turned down the role of Harold Hill. Among them were Dan Daly, who was in a movie... And do you know Dan Daly? He was a dancer. Yeah. He was in um, It's Always Fair Weather with Gene Kelly. I don't think you've seen that movie. No, I don't think I've seen it, but I've definitely heard of it. Among them were Dan Daly, Danny Kaye, hmm. Gene Kelly, which I don't think that's true, and Phil Harris. Was Danny Kaye mentioned like 10 million times in the Dick Van Dyke show? No, that's Danny Thomas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Thomas. <laughs> That's a different Danny. And Danny Thomas was... It's uh, all the same. Danny Thomas was in an episode. He was in the um, Walnut episode. That's right. Yeah, and that was a big joke, because I've never seen... It, they, like, always reference the Danny Thomas show. Okay. Not Danny K. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Meredith, Wilson, Meredith Wilson made more income off the Beatles version of Till There Was You than he did off the play and the movie combined. I was going to say, well, that's not surprising, but then thinking of all of the things yeah. that came from the play. Marching bands of the University of California and, the, and USC were drafted in for the final parade scene. Shirley Jones was pregnant while the film was in production. When she and Robert Preston embraced her in the footbridge scene, her unborn baby, who was Patrick Cassidy, kicked Preston. The costume designers had to adjust her dresses several times to conceal her pregnancy. Is that stuff t- touching my mom? Exactly. Ron Howard has admitted to being tone deaf and too left footed. It took a great deal he was of so cute though. It took a great deal of vocal practice and a trick by the music conductor to get a usable singing track from Young Howard for the song Gary Indiana. And his final soft shoe bit at the end of the song had to be shot from the knees up with tapping sound effects added in post production. I mean to get any semblance of see that actually dancing. I don't know, but the, so but it's, yeah. Uh, and the, here, this was also there. I don't really believe it, but Andy Griffith it says was considered for the part of Harold Hill on on Broadway, maybe on Broadway. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, and I and I'd seen that he was considered for the role for this role here, but I can't imagine him as Harold Hill. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah, this show beat out West Side Story for the Tony in fifty seven fifty eight. That is shocking to me. Um, yeah, I mean West Side Story did <laughs> better um, as far as. Oscars and stuff, mm-hmm. but it won the Tony. So that is that. Robert Preston. I need to watch more of his stuff because I love Robert Preston. He was in a musical, and I had the I had the sound, I had the album, the cast album on my phone called like Ben Ben Franklin Goes to Paris or Benjamin Franklin Goes to Paris. He played Ben Franklin. Hmm. That's all. That's the only other show I know. Um, Dick Van Dyke was played Harold Hill in some revival, like in the early eighties, late seventies. He played her all Okay, so who in the Gilmore Girls universe would like this movie? Taylor Dosey. Okay. <laughs> I would agree. He's very theatrical. He likes theater. I don't know. I feel like he would have had a problem with someone going after an entire town because he's very yeah. town-oriented. Maybe Miss Patty would like it. Would Miss Patty have known any of the actors? Probably. Would she have talked about, oh, Robert, Shirley Jones. Probably. Robert Preston. I mean, she did do a lot in show business. Yeah. So she might have known those people before they were big names. So yeah, she would have liked it best, I think. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with Miss Patty. 
Huh? Um, what would you rate this? Hmm. What would you rate this? On a scale from one to ten cups of coffee. Please be kind. Three. I was gonna say two. Don't look at me like that. I said I have disliked this this musical since I was like four, fifteen. I don't like it. I saw a bad production of it, but also I don't like the music. It just kind of bores me. So good. I don't think I like fifties musicals. That hurts my heart. I know. I like Brigadoon. It hurts my heart. Yeah, you like Brigadoon, but also like half of those songs were written for the movie. So you don't even know if you like the theatrical production. No, I've seen it on stage. I liked it on stage. Same with On the Town. I love On the Town, but half of those movies, half of, half of those songs weren't even in the musical or in the theater. I've seen Brigadoon on stage twice. That was how I was introduced to Brigadoon. First. You like what's that story? I do like what's that story. I mean, I... It's the, like, happy-go-lucky one. I can't, like, Oklahoma, I don't like Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma sucks. I hate Oklahoma. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've talked... I think you've heard me talk about how much I dislike Oklahoma. The only part I like about Oklahoma is Judd Bright. <laughs> he's the bad... He's the bad guy. I know, but I like... It, it, I like when there's more, like, dimensions to it. There always is. All those movies have dimensions. Okay, what is it in Music Man? Harold Hill... He gets you to root for a guy who's not a nice guy. He's a con man. I don't know if I was really like he, rooting for him. I am. I'm rooting for him the whole movie. <laughs> he he gets you to kind of root for him. You don't root against him. When he's a horrible... If, if no, he was a horrible person, you would hate him. Here's the problem. I don't root for him and I don't root against him. I, I am ambivalent to him. That's my problem with this, this show is that like I just don't care. Like, Will they get to play band, band instruments or not? Like, I don't care. And I also don't feel like he's really swindling them because they got instruments and they got uniforms and they paid for instruments and they paid for uniforms. So I'm not really understand. Like, I understand he said he was going to teach them, but like, couldn't they like, is there no one in that town that knows anything about music? I just I, I feel like the premise is dumb. I don't feel like that's an actual like scam. They're not paying for lessons. I mean, you also don't know how much the the what co- how much it costs and how much he's charging them. Um, you don't. They got what they paid for. Like that's my my thinking. Watching the movie was that these people are getting exactly what they paid for. Yeah. They paid for instruments. They paid for uniforms. They're getting them. So I think that's why it bothers me. Is that like I just don't get I don't get why they would be so mad at him. I don't really get why like he lied about his credentials, but like it's not like he lied about being a doctor and then went and like cut people open. Yeah, I don't. I just. I don't know. Such a good the drama aspect of it is just not. And then the drama of them chasing it, it make it gives me Brigadoon vibes with them chasing him. Because he's gonna be fine. You don't know that. Yeah, they do. They're talking about touring and feathering him. You think after playing a song like seventy six trombones, they're gonna tar and feather somebody? Yeah. Okay. Six trombones led the big parade. Love that song. Okay. Man. It's okay for people to like the same things as you. No, it just hurts my heart. We have this is similar tastes on a lot of things. I just don't like this musical. This is a, this is gets nine cups of coffee for me. It is in my top fifteen of movies, oh, of movies of all time. Oh, Probably top five of musicals. Wow. Like Les Mis, West Side Story. What else would be up there? Les Mis, West Side Story. Probably Finding Neverland would be up there. Yeah, you've listened to that a lot oh, I for that. a while. There. I love that music. Would be right up there, top five. 
I love it so much. I, I don't wa- know that any of those would be on my top I, list. Oh, Les Mis is the best musical ever. Uh, I mean, yes, it, it is good. I just don't know if it would be. <laughs> yes, I mean, it is the best musical. No, it, it is very, very good. I just don't know that it would be on my top five. I think some, my top five would be more recent stuff. Okay. I think my rent might be up there. I think Rents is definitely up there. I think I think I, I like Grace's and I, I did pick Finding Neverland. That was from 2014 or 2013 around then. I think really eighties and earlier I've I'm learning is my favorite musical format. I like earlier than eighties. From watching Chicago, I'm learning that's not really my because I don't know. I, I don't like hair. And I learned from watching Chicago that I like 40s and 50s musicals a lot more than I thought because I liked the first season of Schmigadoon better than Chicago. I like it. Because it was happier. I think, I think, I, I think I'm learning that I like the happier vibe. Chicago did kind of stress me out. I did like Chicago though. But I like, I like the music from... Sweeney Todd would also be up there. I like Sweeney Todd. I like Cabaret. I'm not a huge fan of Chicago. I'm not a huge fan of hair. I do like... You've never seen here though, God, have you? So. Yeah, but I don't like the music. Have you ever heard? You've heard. You've heard like I've heard, heard the music. Yeah, yeah, I just don't. I'm not a good fan. I love Jesus Christ. I don't really like Jesus Christ Superstar. I love Joseph. I do like Godspell though, but I think that's more like, like a nostalgic thing. I do love Pippin. He likes Stephen Schwartz. Is that who? What else? He wrote Godspell and Pippin. Okay, then yeah. Um, he also wrote. Oh, what else did he write? He's. I mean, he's a number of things. I think he likes Song. I'm okay. Do you like Phantom? Yeah. Are you not an Andrew Lloyd Webber fan? Um, I I like some things in Phantom. I don't know. His stuff, to me, feels kind of cheesy. I love cheesy. Like, the music yeah. feels cheesy. I, not the, like, the story, yeah. not the yeah. the script, but, like, the music feels I cheesy. love Andrew Lloyd Webber. But I think one of the reasons I love it is because I get so mad that so many people hate him. Mm. Because he is... Like hated among musical theater fans. Yeah, I don't. And it bothers me so much. Music. I just if I'm gonna pick, like Jesus Christ Superstar is amazing. It's likely not gonna be Andrew. Lynch. Joseph is wonderful. Phantom is great. I've never heard the music to Cats. I know Cats is thought of as a joke. Sunset Boulevard. A lot of people like that, and he did the music for Sunset well, Boulevard. I haven't heard that music, but and I Vita. Love that a lot movie. of people like Vita. It feels his stuff feels more mainstream to me. Yeah. Whereas, like, Sondheim stuff is a little, like, has, like, an edge to it. I feel like there is no edge to Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. It's very straightforward musical, have you go lucky music, at least. Not not necessarily a story, but the music feels that way. Like Rodgers and Hammerstein. You don't like, so you don't like Rodgers no. and Hammerstein. Yeah. Rodgers and Hammerstein, I don't like some of their musicals, but their music is amazing. The music in the Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals are stupendous. I do like the music for their Cinderella. Which wasn't actually supposed to be a Broadway show. Oh, really? It started out as like a TV movie, and then like at some point it was made into a Broadway show after the fact. Because I think Julie Andrews. Shop. I like that one. That was Alan Menken, <laughs> Howard Ashman, the Disney. I like that one. <laughs> that was um yeah and Howard Ashman and Henry um Howard Ashman Howard um yeah Ashman and Alan Menken before they did all their Disney Renaissance stuff. Little Shop was like their big well, I one. Like Okay. I'm trying to think of the ones that I like sing in my car. Little Shop was one of them. I like two songs from Little Shop. Suddenly so seen more. Actually, that might be the only song I like from that. Um, what did I listen to when I was a kid? My sister had her musicals that she 
listened to that I kind of like caught on to. She listened to a lot of like obscure ones though. Like she listened to chess. And I feel like I think a lot, a lot of people listen to chess. Oh really? Yeah. There was like there was like a five year span where chess just became popular. Not anymore, but like probably around the same time your sister yeah. listened to it. Um, I remember a lot of people listening to chess because I'd never heard of it. It was to Miss Saigon. Um, the Scarlet Pimpernel was a big one. I never heard either one of those. Jekyll and Hyde. She went through a major Jekyll and Hyde period. Jekyll and Hyde has that's good great. music. Yes, I like it's... Slinks. I'm trying to think what else she was doing. The only the only uh, version of that you can watch is the David Hasselhoff version. Really? I think that's the only that's the only um, version I've ever seen they grew up. I want to see Sebastian Bach in it. Bringing it all back to Elmeros. So yeah, um, but with the Music Man, we talked about Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Last week, that you I said mean things about. I did say mean things. I apologize. Um, you. I don't apologize at all. I'm sorry. That was a false apology. I, I apologize for that false apology, and I do apologize for that. I really, I and I, I've been listening a lot, a lot to the album, the latest cast album with Hugh Jackman. Oh yeah, um, and it's really good. Hugh, Jack- Hugh Jackman, but what? he always does. Hugh Jackman always does musicals I don't like. Have you ever watched any or heard music from The Boy from Oz? No, I haven't. It's really good. Yeah. And did you and I watch the? Um, did you and I watch the Oklahoma together? Did you and I watch Oklahoma so, together? Yeah. Or did I, I watch that? Any other reason? Why Either I'm you and I watched it, or I watched it by myself. I remember watching. No, it. I watched it, and I can't think of any reason why I would have, unless you wanted me to watch it with you. So yeah, I watched that's it. That's probably why. Yeah. I, 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 so he's an. Um, he, that's really good with him and Sutton Foster, who's amazing. I love Sutton Foster. She's really good. Um, one person I re- I've been waiting to do the Music Man, who's perfect for the Music Man, who and who I want to be. Harold Hill, if they ever did like a live televised version, is Seth MacFarlane. He would be so good. And I've seen him numerous times. There there are concerts of him singing, Mm -hmm. and he's done in these concerts, he's done You Got Trouble um, on one of his cast on one of his albums, because he does like Frank Sinatra type big band type albums. He did um, the Sadder But Wiser Girl, which we didn't talk about in the synopsis. I love that. I love that song. That's one of my favorite songs, too. As a feminist, I hated that song. It's so musical and beautiful. I hated it. There, there are certain parts, as I was watching, I was like, uh, but I still yeah, love this movie. They did not age well. But I still love this movie. It's nine. Being a librarian struck me so much of, like, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. When, like, the worst thing that could ever possibly happen to Jimmy Stewart's wife was that she was a librarian and unmarried. Or no, she was a teacher, wasn't she? I don't know. It, it had the same vibes for me. There are very few movies that make me as happy as watching music. Well, I'm glad. And probably like Singing in the Rain and The Music Man. Like West Side Story doesn't make me as happy because it's a it's a better movie and I like it better. But it's a more somber, um, yeah. somber movie. Um, we should watch more musicals. But anyways, it's it's it gets nine cups of coffee for me. So it's great, great, wonderful. And I and I was dreading this because after yesterday I was like she did not like it. I know she didn't like it. I didn't like I it. Didn't to it though. I, know. I watched it and hated it. I, I already know. knew I didn't like the music. Okay, you don't like it because Meredith Wilson also wrote. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, and you don't like Christmas music. So I think I think you disliked it at the very beginning because of that. It's a Fall Out Boy song. Um. About Christmas, where they the chorus is "Merry Christmas, I could care less," and that's the Christmas music. 
Okay. Even those like grammatically incorrect, I couldn't care less, but I'll, I'll give it to them because it, it fits better. <laughs> So the next movie we're doing is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, I have no idea how Courtney feels about this one. Do not. I've already seen it. You I, haven't. I have not seen it. You don't want to see it, and you haven't seen I, it. I don't want to see it, and I've seen it. I will it. say that I'm not looking forward to it because I've never wanted to see it ever. It's a long one, too. Is it? I think. I, well, maybe it just felt like <laughs> I can't remember. You, like, Godfather is also coming up soon, and that's another that's long, long one. But so I haven't seen that one. But, anyways, like that was one 2001 A Space Odyssey. Watch it, enjoy it, love it. We will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.